is Tet in Masechet Psachim. We're going to start at the very top of the um, Amud Aleph, which is a logical place to start. New Mishnah. This uh, this Mishnah, this in, uh, upcoming uh, piece is actually, and, and really the next two Dapi maybe even, are uh, very uh, well known because they deal with issues of Sfekot, of doubts and the extent of doubt and um, how we deal with Sfekot and Halacha. One of the key uh, sources for that discussion. So, En Choshishin, Shema Gerachul Dami Bait Lebait, Umimakom Lemakom. The base, very important principle, basically, that once a person has checked their house for chametz and cleaned it out, they don't have to use their imagination and say, well, maybe the second that I cleaned out the uh, house, uh, all of a sudden, we don't even have that around, but a mouse, whatever it is, some kind of a rodent took, a chulda is a weasel. We don't really have those uh, around too much. But the point is that any kind of a rodent that might have carried chametz from outside, brought it in from house to house, uh, and so on, or from place to place, just like people sometimes get worried about kashrut. Well, maybe somebody dropped into the pot this or that. We, say, we always say, We don't make any assumptions. We don't create assumptions about bad things happening without any evidence. And so here, we don't have evidence. So therefore, Because if you start wondering whether an, an animal carries things here, It doesn't mean from house to house. It really means from room to room. Because they use the word bait to mean a room. Uh, from from place to place, the point is that items being moved from place to place, and, and maybe really there was chametz, and when I checked, I didn't see it, but that was because the mouse moved it to the other place, and then as soon as I went to the other place, the mouse moved it back. Who knows? It could go on endlessly. So then, even if you cleaned out an entire chatzer, an entire city, you'd have to worry that maybe a mouse brought uh, chametz from one place to another. So we don't we don't worry about those kinds of things because in the devarsof, because there would be no end to it. In other words, at a certain point, we do the extent that we can to clean the place, and then we assume that unless we have reason to believe. In other words, once we have some kind of evidence, that's a different story. But without evidence, we don't assume anything bad. So the Gemara says, de la chazina de shakal, that you're, you're saying that the reason why we don't assume that a mouse or other rodent moved stuff around is because we didn't see it. But So the implication is, though, that if we did actually see a mouse carrying a piece of challah around, you know, in the house, then we have to chase after him and try to find where it is. I mean, we, in other words, we're saying that you don't imagine that maybe a mouse came and took chametz from one place to the other. Fine. But what if I see a mouse carrying a piece of bread walking around in the house? I have to find it. Right, so the question is, why? Why don't we just assume that probably the mouse ate all the crumbs? Right? So it says, because, didn't we learn that, we, that uh, dwelling places of idolaters are can, uh, assumed to be Tme'im, they're assumed to be impure. And the reason they're assumed to be impure, as she explains, in Masachat Aulot says that they would bury stillborn infants and things like that in their house. They, they wouldn't take them like we would if, God forbid, somebody has a miscarriage or a stillborn infant. We bury them in a regular cemetery. They would bury them in the house. They wouldn't bury them in a regular cemetery. So, therefore, their house could be Tmemet all the time. And uh, because it could be a place that, uh, of Tum'ah, we, can't, uh, we have to treat it that way. So, how long does the non-Jew have to be in that dwelling before we have to worry that maybe we have to check and see if there's any Tum'ah there? Arbaim yom, forty days. Meaning, even though he doesn't have a wife. In other words, the possibility forty days is the amount of time it takes for gestation for a uh, for a uh, from the time of conception to the time that the baby would be considered to be a fetus. That if it were born, it would have tumah. 
So therefore, we are up to for once he lives there for forty days, even though he doesn't have a wife, because who knows, he could have a girlfriend or whatever. They they're not that careful about those things, you know. See, because Rashi says the fisha chashudu alaznut, because maybe he has a, maybe he has other uh, liaisons. He doesn't necessarily need uh, a wife to have a baby, as you know. And so therefore, once uh, once he's been there forty days, we're worried maybe there's some baby uh, dead baby in the house. Okay, it's a little gruesome of an assumption, but we assume that based on their culture. However, if it's a place where a weasel or a pig could get, so we never have to worry that maybe there is some human remains in a place that a pig or a weasel could get because they'll eat it. Okay, so so too here. Why don't we say that if there were any chametz in the house? And the mouse found it. Probably ate the whole thing. So why do you have to go chase after and find the piece of bread that the mouse took? Just like the weasel will eat the human remains. The uh, the uh, uh, and we assume that meaning if there's a, if the only area we we check around and we see that all the areas are accessible to rodents and things like that, then we don't worry that maybe there's remains there because animal will eat it. So we should say the same thing about the bread. There's a difference between meat and bread because because an animal will not leave remains over. Of flesh, it will eat the whole thing. But lechem, it's a little gruesome, but whatever. But lechem, but when it comes to bread, even a, even a person, even a human, when you eat bread, you never eat every single crop. When you eat meat, you could clean all of the meat off of your plate; it'll be gone. When you eat bread, you rarely will eat every single crumb. There's always some crumbs left over, so you have to go look. Amar said, "Hi, mate. You're comparing apples and oranges, okay?" Maybe that's a bad pun for this, but that's the point. Over there, by the dead baby situation, first of all, there might not have been a dead baby. Right? In other words, you're making a lot of assumptions. Right? Over there, you're, you're saying that, uh, well, the animal that would, would take it, and, and, and probably the animal ate it. So as she says, My kushya. We don't even have to worry over there. Why? Because the hatam First of all, you're assuming that there's some dead baby there, right? Second of all, right? So therefore, therefore we said, we could say that there was no baby at all, right? So therefore, if, there's a, if there are weasels and animals going around, then for sure we don't have to worry. Right? And when we don't even tell them, Marhava, in other words, there are so many sfekot over there when it comes to the case of the, non, the, the idolater's house. Maybe he never had a baby in there that he buried in there. Okay, that's a possibility, but maybe not. And if there's an area, if, if it's an, a space where uh, rodents can get in, so then maybe they took it. And, they, and, and maybe you'll say, and even if they took it, probably they, uh, they didn't leave anything over. In other words, there's a lot of like maybes because you never actually saw that there was a baby there or there was a chulda there or anything. Right? But over here, we're talking about But over here, you're asking if you actually saw the mouse take a piece of chalan go around, uh, you know, what kind of assumptions are you going to be? It's a different story. You actually saw the, the bread moving around. You have to be worried. Right? We don't say a safek is going to take you out of a vadai. In other words, once you see the, the animal moving with a big piece of bread, you can't say, well, probably he's going to finish it. Because maybe he won't finish it. Is that really true? A safek cannot get rid of a vadai, of a definite. This is a very, very famous brighta that's quoted all the time. Right? A talmid chacham that died and he left a container of fruits. Even if they were just gathered that day. We assume that they were 
Maaser uh, was taken, Shuma was taken, and so on, even though he died. In other words, even though that day he brought the fruits back and he put them in this container that he has in the house, whatever, this uh, silo, whatever it is, he put it in there. We assume he took them Maaser and the Shuma before he put it there, even if he died the same day. Okay? So what do you mean? Over there you see that you had definite Tevel. He brought these Perot, he brought these fruits home that at one point they were Tevel. Okay, at one point they were un, uh, untithed to produce. The Maser wasn't taken, Tumah wasn't taken. And you're assuming that probably he separated the Tumah. So you see that, uh, prob- you're assuming that he did. In other words, you don't know with certainty that he did. You're, it's a safek, and you're letting that safek that you're, you know, uh, cover for the vadai. So it's uh, for the definite. Right, so it says hatam vaday u vadayhu de vaday We don't consider that a safek. We consider it definite that the tamir chacham that is, is is going to separate the maaser. Kedar bichanina chozah alek. Bichanina chozah said. Amar bichanina chozah chazakal chaver she'en motzi mitachat yado davar shenam tukan. It's an assumption, a presumption about a chaver. Chaver here means tamir chacham, somebody who's part of the society of chachamim that kept the laws of Tumah and Tara and also kept the laws of Maaser and Tumah very carefully. It's a chazakat, it's a presumption that he won't allow anything to come out of his hand that is not mitukan, that is not uh, properly tithed and Tumah and Maaser taken. So it's not considered a safek. But here, you saw the mouse take a piece of bread. You don't know if he's going to finish every bite of that piece of bread. Maybe he left a big chunk of bread right under your sofa. I don't know, so you have to go look. Vibaitem alternatively, safek was safeku. You could say that it is really a safek. It's not like a vadaya definite that this tamil chacham separated the maaser. It's not a hundred percent, but it's also a safek that maybe the item wasn't tevil because dilma me ikara imordelatvile. It could be that the produce that he brought home wasn't definitely tevil because there's a lot of steps that have to be taken for something to be tevil. It has to be fully processed, fully cleaned, and all of that. Because a person is allowed, for instance, to take their produce that was mostly processed, not fully, mostly processed, and leave it bamotshelas, like the chaff of the, you know, the straw and stuff like that mixed into the, into the produce, so it's not fully clean because he's going to bring it in for his animal. So since he's bringing it in for his animal, he's sort of doing a trick because he wants to avoid it being chayav in maaser. He doesn't want to have to take 10% and all, you know, for the truma, take a percentage for the truma and then take a 10% for the, Maser from his produce that's just for his animal to eat. So therefore he leaves it somewhat unfinished, so therefore it doesn't become tevel, and therefore he doesn't have to separate the maser. The, the rule was that the tevel, um, as long as it was, uh, they, they used to be able to eat it, like eat it as a snack, you know. Um, they didn't make on eating it as a snack, only on, make it, on eating it, uh, what's called achilat keva. You can't eat like, um, if it's unprocessed grain, you can't sit down and have a meal, but you could eat it as long as it was unprocessed because it wasn't obligated in Maser and Turma, right? But for animals, they never made any rule. So if, as long as it's not fully processed and it's just got, it's still got the motz in there, it has all kinds of foreign, you know, like uh, inedible things and straw and whatever, so then you can bring it in. So it could be that when the guy brought the Tuvua home, so it was in that state. And the rule is that it has to be at It has to see the house. In other words, when you bring it in, it has to be fully processed in order for the obligation of Tevil to take place. But this guy may have brought it in unfinished. So he didn't have to take the full Maser and Truma measurement because he was going to give it to his animal. And so therefore we can't assume. But, so on one hand, it might have never been Tevil. 
And even if it was Tevel, maybe, or, or we can assume, we have a good reason to believe that he probably separated the Tuman Maser before he died. So that's the reason. So it's not the, the reason why the Safik can come along, meaning the maybe or probably he separated the Tuman Maser, can come along and negate the maybe probably it was, it was Tevel, because it's only a maybe probably. It's not a definite. There's always the possibility that it was never Tevel. And that's why, but if you see an animal actually walking with... Uh, in its mouth, it has a, a large piece of chalat walking with a roll, you know, so then you know <coughs> that it was there. So you have to find, but you can't just assume it finished it. Brother, one of the right? saying <coughs> he was tighted before it came to his property. I mean, this is his own grains. That it only becomes the... obligated in Tevil when he brings it to the house. So we wouldn't do that. His own grains. It's not that he's bought it from somewhere I else and maybe so. it's already been tightened. Assu- uh, even if he brought, bought it from somewhere else, the assumption was that he would have done tithing. The point is that you don't know where it came from. So you have all kinds of sfikot. You have lots of sfikot. There's lots of sfikot. You have lots of sfikot, let's say. Right? You don't know for sure that it was ever Tevil. From, you know, that it was Tevil before, you know, and that he had to tithe it. Maybe somebody Outside. It could be. You don't know. But anyway, then Safek Motimide Vadai, is that really true? Vatanya Amarbiuda, Rabbiuda said, Masabishim Khadoshal Metzika Khadvarimon, there was a certain troublemaker, difficult individual who was Jewish, but he lived in Rimon, Shaytila Nevelabor, that um the Shivcha, the maidservant, uh miscarried a nephil, some kind of a uh, stillborn uh, baby or miscarriage, into a pit, Uba Kohen, and a Kohen was a relative came vetzitzbo and he looked into the pit leda im zacharuim the kevai wanted to know what the status of the tuman tarav the woman was going to be um, based on the, whether the boy was a, whether it was a boy or a girl because if it's a boy that was miscarried then it's a it's forty and uh, it's uh, it's two it's one week and and then uh, and and then uh, thirty three days and if it's a if it's a girl then it's going to be two weeks and sixty six days so he wanted to look and see what the status was of the baby and the, rap, the, the problem was that this guy was a Kohen, and, and Tosfot says, Kohen Shotehaya. He was not a very educated Kohen because he shouldn't have done Why is he looking, leaning over? Because since the baby was, the, the miscarriage was after 40 days, so therefore the, there's, there's Tumat Met on the, uh, on the, on the baby. And, and, and if he leans over and he creates an ohel, basically, he's leaning over a dead body that will make him Tamein. He doesn't have a permission to become Tamein. Even if he was a relative, still that, that dispensation or that, that idea that a Kohen will become uh, Tamein for his relative only applies in circumstances uh, where the person was a viable uh, person, human being, not, where the, not a miscarriage. So the Kohen leaning over the pit oh, did something wrong, Tosafot said, but still the point is that we, they said that he was Tahor. Why? Because even though that miscarri- miscarried fetus went into the pit, we assume that since there are all kinds of rodents, they probably dragged it away. That's why he didn't see anything. The point was he didn't see anything. Okay, and we don't assume that it was, and he, he, they might have thought, well, I'm not sure, maybe it was there and I didn't see it. They said, no, well, since there are rodents, they probably, they took it away. Right? So that's the thing. Now over there, it was a, she definitely deposited this uh, fetus in the pit. Right? And we don't know whether they really dragged it away or not, meaning whether the animals really dragged it away or not. He just didn't see it. So you see from there that even though we're not sure really that these rodents came and removed this fetus, we're still saying that we're not going to make this Kohen Tameh because maybe they took it away. So it says, Maybe we're misunderstanding the case. It's not that she definitely miscarried into the pit. What happened was that she, she passed something through her system and she wasn't sure what it was. 
Right? So the point is that it was a suffix to begin with, whether this was a baby or not that she passed, or it was some kind of other entity that came out. And even if it was a baby, he wanted to know if it was a boy or girl. But this doesn't say the Kohen was looking to see if it was a male or female. It says, yeah, that's exactly right. In other words, because it, it said, So it says, That's what it means. In other words, there were two questions. Question number one was whether what she actually passed through her system was a baby or not. And if it was a baby, he wanted to know if it was a boy or girl. But it was a suffix if it was even a baby. So so since it was a suffix, it was a baby. And it was also a suffix that may be the reason why he didn't see anything when he peeked into, over the, you know, into the pit was because maybe an, animals took it away anyway. It wasn't there. So therefore, it's a suffix versus a suffix, and that's why they were lenient. But had it been a definite versus a suffix, we wouldn't be lenient. And that's why in the case of the mouse carrying the definite challah uh, roll away, we have to chase it, right? So that, that's the point. Vibay tema, alternatively. Another answer is Hatam Vadayo Vadayo. It's not two Sfekot over there, it's two Vaday over there, because meaning it was definitely a baby that fell, but Kevan the Khudaw Badlas Mutsuincham Vaday Gerua Bashita Baishata. Right? So the um, so the point is that it's it's a definite even if you're gonna say it was a definite baby that fell into the pit, we also say definitely that any rodent around would pull it because nay the shiura because even though it may be true that an animal will not fully consume someone gets given to it, but miguel miat but definitely the animal will drag it away by shata at that time. And that's why um, that's why we assume that it definitely happened. In other words, it's like uh, it's like your garbage can. Definitely you leave the garbage out, the raccoon's gonna get it. I never had a time that the garbage was open and the raccoon did not get get into it. Never. Does it eat every bite? No, but it definitely pulls it, opens it. Right? There's no question. So th- the point is that what the Gemara is trying to deal with here is that you have a situation where what the Mishnah said was you don't have to imagine sfekot in your mind about well maybe this maybe that but once you see the animal walking with the with the bread you have to you can't assume that it consumed all the bread so you have to go find out where it left the bread okay so it's bringing other cases like this case where hey uh, a, a, a fetus fell into a, 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 a dead fetus fell into a pit and we're saying we assume that, uh, that a weasel took it away. Well, first, the first answer was, well, maybe that was... Only, so, so why there, when we have a definite, right? Just like you definitely see the mouse carrying the bread. We don't assume it finished the bread. So here you're saying you definitely had a fetus fall into a pit, but you assume that maybe the weasel took it away. So the first answer was, well, maybe it wasn't definitely a fetus that fell in. It was maybe a fetus, and, and maybe it dragged it away. So maybe and maybe. So another possibility is that, no, it definitely was a fetus, but the only thing, we, we definitely assume that if there are weasels in there, they will drag it away. Do we assume it will finish eating the flesh of the thing? Maybe not. Maybe it will leave some. But it pulls it in to its little crevice in the bottom. Like Rashi says, it, they had these little holes... Yeah. on the side of these pits that they go into. And so therefore, if you lean over the big pit, you're not going to be leaning over that. It probably pulled it into one of its holes and you're okay. Okay. Is it really true that we're now worried about rodents coming and pulling our bread away? Like the Mishnah says, We say in the later Mishnah, that uh, whatever you leave over eating, like the morning of Erev Pesach, you're still allowed to eat chametz, you, or, or the night before, rather, it's really talking about, the night before, after you do b'dikat chametz, the next morning you can still eat chametz. So therefore it says you should leave it b'mokom tzina, leave it in a very, you know, de- designated area, so you don't end up having to check for it again. Now what's the reason you're worried that you're going to have to check for it again? Because seemingly you're worried that the, the animal is going to come. You, you leave some, I don't know, uh, some crackers on the, uh, on the, uh, out on the table. 
that's, uh, that are chametz for the, the morning of Erev Pesach, the last chametz that you have, or for whatever. And, so, and then you have to be worried that maybe the animal is going to come and take it and walk around, and that's going to be lost, and they're going to have to search for it again. So you see that we are worried that an animal is going to come. So, it's different. The 14th is different than the 13th. Why? When it, on the 13th of Nisan, when there is plenty of bread to go around, Okay, so the animal will eat up whatever it gets right away because it knows that there's a plentiful supply of uh, bread to go and to get and it's not going to leave anything around. But when they're on the 14th of Nisan, that, which is talking about there, where the, uh, where the weasel is going to realize that the supply of bread is, uh, is, is low, so then he's going to save some of that. He's going to leave it, he's going to hide it, he's going to keep it. He's not going to consume all of it and that's why you have to be concerned that maybe he's going to hide it somewhere. But anytime up to then, you wouldn't have to worry about that. Because what well, he doesn't know, but, it's, but in, in between, you know, in between, there's not. He's, it's, it's running low. They used to bake at night. They have very smart uh, um, weasels in your house. That that this weasel knows that the bread is going to be out, and he's going to have to wait for the matzah. So he's saving it. I mean, what kind of a what kind of a smart weasel is this? So he's he's saving and he's conserving. I mean, the bread. I mean, what? It's not that we think that that we have to worry in general that if we that oh you know maybe a weasel came and took this bread and, and you don't have to imagine things the concern is that if you leave the whatever chametz you have exposed you might end up seeing a weasel or or, or rat or mouse or whatever take the bread and then you're going to have to check you wouldn't have to have imagined that that happened if you didn't see it but once you see it you have to be worried if a person wants to eat chametz after checking for the chametz, what should he do? He should keep whatever he leaves over in a secure place, right? So that no weasel will come and take it in front of us. Because once we see that the weasel walks off with the chala, we have to go after it. Right? In other words, that's, that's the point. It's not a matter of uh, we have to worry. If we didn't see anything happen, we have to worry. Yeah, but maybe it went in the cereal box and it took it away. We don't have to worry about that. But if we see it happen, now we have to go track it down. That's the problem. And Rav Marie, which is another thing. If you leave 10 rolls and you come in the morning and there's only nine, so that's just as good as seeing the weasel. In other words, if you if you if you just left like a, some bowl of cereal, uh, not cereal, like a, a boxes of cereal, box of crackers, you don't have to say, well, maybe a mouse went in, he took some crackers, he went into his hole, and there's crackers in there, and I don't know. You don't have to assume that. But if you left ten rolls on the table. And in the morning you wake up and there's only nine, so obviously somebody took it. And if the only other people in the house are you and your family that you're not having chametz and you assume that your kids didn't uh, do it, so then you, you're going to have to go find it. So then you're going to have a problem. So, that's, so it says, in all of, what's the point there? What, what is the Gemara saying? Is The Gemara saying is that you have objective evidence. Either you saw the animal take the bread or you had a specific number and now you're short on the number and you don't have an explanation for it. So then you have to do a bidika again. And you don't want to create, you don't want to leave yourself exposed to having to do a bidika again. That's the point of the Gemara. Now the Gemara is going to go on and there's a, 
there's a very interesting sugya, as I mentioned, that deals with a lot of the halachot of sfekot. But we're going to do just a little bit of it since we have time. It says, Tesha, this is a very famous case of the Tesha Chanuyot, which we've learned before, actually, in Masechet Cholin. It's a very difficult concept to understand. Like but, the baby was, in, uh, was also in the Zara, right? Yeah, we, we, yeah, we've learned it before. Yeah, we, a lot of these things we've learned before. Now, Tesha Tzibuin Shal Matzah If you have... One-third of the Gemara? I don't know. I don't know. I never did a mathematical analysis of it. You have to look for somebody who did that. I don't know. Could be. You know, you know what they say. 86% of statistics are made up on the spot. You have nine piles of, of matzah and one of chametz. Obviously, you have 90% matzah there. And you see an, a mouse comes and he takes it and you don't know if it was matzah or chametz. Right? So, Hainu Tesha Chanuyot. That's exactly the case of Tesha Chanuyot. What's the case of Tesha Chanuyot? This is a very difficult concept that we learned in Masachet Chulin. Hard concept to wrap our minds around in terms of statistics. But basically, the idea is that if you have nine Chanuyot, nine stores that they sell non-kosher, and, I'm sorry, nine stores that they sell kosher, rather, and one store that sells non-kosher, and you went into one of the stores and you don't know which store, that's called Kavua. Kavua, there is kemechtzal mechtzadame, which means whenever you, when your safek is, I don't know which store I went into, so then you say it's 50-50 and it's prohibited. Even though nine out of the ten, nine out of the ten were kosher and one was, one was non-kosher. Still, since you don't know which one, you went into one of the stores, and the safek is which one of the stores you went into, we're not lenient about that. It's the concept of kavua. But, but parush... Meaning, if you find a wrapped piece of meat in the street, and nine of the stores are kosher, and one of the stores is non-kosher, then we say, we go, we go according to Rov, we go going to the majority, we assume it came from the majority. Okay? In other words, it's quantitative. So what, quantitatively, if you take all the meat that's there, the majority is kosher, so this is going to be kosher. But qualitatively, which store I went into, each one is like uh, you know, a separate entity. It's not really a mixture. So, therefore, you, so, so it's, therefore, it's more strict. So if there were nine piles of matzan, one pile of chametz, and I don't know which, I saw him take from a pile, I don't know which one, so then I have to assume it's chametz that he took. But peresh, if you see a piece of something that looks like bread that's separated from the piles, so therefore, since the majority is matzah, you're going to assume that was matzah. That's exactly the end of the case of the teisha chanuyot, because that we say that if you have nine stores that are selling kosher and one is non-kosher and you took from one of them and you don't know which one, so then you have to say it's prohibited. But but if you find a separated piece, meaning outside, so then you go according to the majority. That's the idea of kavua, right? That's the idea of svek, in, in the laws of svekot that... Um, that is, uh, uh, that's a, a little bit of a mysterious concept. And I, I remember that when we learned Masachet Chulin, I brought a couple of ex- uh, explanations of it that uh, some, some have tried to explain, like what's the logic behind it. But this is the principle. And so if you see him taking it from the source and you don't know which source, you have to assume the worst. But if you see a, a piece that's gone away from the source, it's sitting over on the side, you can assume it came from the majority. Okay? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Where, where the action, where the suffix occurs. The question is, what, did, what is the suffix about? Is the suffix, what is the identity of this item? Or is the suffix, which pile did he take it from? Just like, is the suffix, which store did you get it from? There we say, well, the stores are not a mixture. 
So, so it could be a kosher, it could be a non-kosher for each store. So therefore, in terms of the stores, it's, it doesn't matter if it was an animal that took it or a person. The question is, what is the safik? Is the safik which store? Or is the safik what kind of, what kind of meat this is? If the safik is what kind of meat this is, so then I, re- I resolve the safik by saying it's from the majority. But if the question is, which store did I go into? So then it doesn't matter whether, who went in, whether it was animal or vegetable or mineral or human or whatever. Whatever, if the question is about which store, that's a different story. So like if a, if a, if a shaliach comes and says, I went to one of the stores, I don't know, even if he's non-Jewish, he says, I went to one of the stores, I don't remember which one, uh, it's probably it was a kosher one. So if you see the mouse munching on one of them, you don't know which one, it's still because... You, if he's munching on one away from the piles, so then the question is, what is that entity? You go by the majority. But if but you if know he took he from one of the piles, then the question... To, he must have took it from there. He must say 19, I mean, yeah, but you didn't see that. So no, you, in other words, the that. question was, since you only see it already separated, that's when the suffix begins for you. Suffix begins when you get in, when you get involved, right? So when you start thinking about it, so it's going to be on the pile, not on the item, right? So Let's make it more complicated because that's more fun. Two piles, one is matzah, one is chametz, and you have two houses. One of them has already been checked, and one of the, and, and the guy really doesn't want the chametz to go in there, and the other one he didn't check anyway. And I have two two mice. So here we know that one of them took matzah, one took chametz, but we don't know which house which one went into. We don't know which one went into the house that was checked, and which one went into the house that wasn't checked. So we could be generous and just assume that whichever one had the chametz probably went into the house that wasn't checked yet, so he's going to check anyway. And whichever one had the matzah went into the house that was already checked, and so he's good. Or it could be the other way, that they will assume the worst and say that maybe the one that had chametz went into the house that was already checked and he has to check all over again. But this, there's a precedent for this in the uh, principle of the two containers. You have... Two uh, baskets. One has chulin and one has truma. One has ordinary produce. One has truma. And in front of them are two larger uh, containers. Said. One is chulin and one is truma. And one fell into the other one. So what's the, what are the possibilities? So if we want to be really positive and optimistic, right? We could say that oh, probably the truma fell into the truma. So no problem. And the chulin fell in the chulin. No problem either. Or we could be really pessimistic and say no, probably the truma was the one that fell in the chulin, and now the chulin is ruined because it had truma in there. Right? You have to sell it to a uh, Kohen for uh, a steep discount, right? Because now it has to run it. That's another possibility, right? So it says, Mutarit. They're allowed. Because we end up saying, no, we're just going to assume the best. We're going to assume Chulin went into Chulin and Chuma went into Chuma, and it's okay. So to here, we're going to assume the mouse that had the Chametz probably went into the. Not but not checked house and the and the mouse that had the matzah went into the checked house. We're gonna assume that, right? But that's only talking about a rabbinic law. In other words, that's talking about truma bazmanaze. Truma bazmanaze is derabanan. So therefore, we can assume the best. We can assume favorably because it's only rabbinic anyway. Right? But are we going to say that about Chametz, which is the Oraita? So the Gemara answers, good answer. Even Bedikat Chametz is only rabbinic because really to just nullify the Chametz verbally is enough to not be considered owning the Chametz. The rabbis came along and instituted Bedikat Chametz, as we've mentioned before, I think. 
There is a machloket why they instituted bedikat chametz. Is it because they didn't want you to come to eat the chametz, or is it because uh, they didn't wa- they didn't trust bitul chametz because it was only verbal, and they thought that it was important for a person to physically remove the chametz so that they knew that that bitul was an authentic uh, nullification or rejection of the chametz. It seems from many gemarot that you learn, like the second way, the second way, yeah. Tosfot is, the, Tosfot is of the opinion that it's because of the con- concerns about eating. But I feel like whenever the gemara brings it up, it always contrasts bidika with bitul. And says, well, bitul is enough. You don't really need bidika. Okay, so then it's saying that it really has to do with ownership. It's just that a person who says, yes, I don't want any of my... One thousand dollar bottles of scotch. I my mivatel and it's uh, it's just afar and it's uh, d- dust. The person doesn't really mean that, right? So that's why they 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 didn't want to rely on that. That's what it seems like from most of the gemara that always connects the two. But I just want to mention there is a halachale maaseh here that if a person had two pots on the stove, it's brought in shulchan aruch. Person had two pots on the stove and he doesn't know and he was pouring milk. And he doesn't know if the milk went into the dairy pot or the meat pot. So you have to be concerned. Maybe it went into the meat pot because that's the oraita. But if you had a, uh, if you had a, right, if you had a dairy pot and a chicken pot, so then you can assume leniently because since it's only the rabbanan. What do you mean? What does that have to do with that? Unless it's from Ta'am. I mean, on a do right level, it is... Well, but we go by Ta'am. Yeah, but we go by Ta'am Kikar. Well, that's that's true according to the Rambam, but the Shulchan Aruch doesn't uh, doesn't follow that because the Shulchan Aruch holds Ta'am Kikar as the Oraita even without any... uh, even without uh, Mamashut. So, and that's generally the... That's generally the principle. But in, in terms of sfekot, the, the point is that since the safek there is, a safek der abanan, whether, the, uh, whether it went into the dairy or the... You, you put one thing that was a dairy substitute and it was parav and you put one thing that was dairy and you don't know which one went into which pot. So you can assume the best because it's only isur der abanan chicken and milk. Right? So that's an, exa- that's an example that we apply this, you know, whereas if it were beef, you wouldn't be able to assume that. You would need to make sure that there were 60 times whatever potentially in order to be able to eat the food.